0: Welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro-wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network for the fourth time today. If you listen to all of the shows that we put out uh, today during our coverage of WrestleMania week, um, obviously... This show was talking all about WrestleMania 37, night number two, and I have the pleasure of having as my guest to run through the second night of the quote-unquote granddaddy of them all uh, being uh, from Daily DDT and RealSport and Heavy.com, and I'm assuming there's going to be a bunch of other sites as well (laughs) at some point for for this person. Patch's chance is back on the show. I really enjoy getting the chance to chat with, with patches, all about uh, anything that, that we can pro-wrestling-wise. It's usually WWE, um, but there's obviously other things as well, and, and we get into some of that, especially with everything coming out of WrestleMania week. Um, of course, with, with that being said, like I said earlier, uh, we have multiple episodes coming out this week, four in total. We have both nights of WrestleMania 37. Uh, night one, I have as my guest uh, Darnell Mitchell from the Pro Wrestling Mothership, as well as the Queer Nerd Podcast and a former producer for Uncanny Attractions on to talk about that that show, um, to talk about the Big Gay Brunch. We had none other than Pollo Del Mar, the MC of the Big Gay Brunch. And then, of course, to talk about all things independent pro wrestling from WrestleMania week, we had Max Zaleski from Without a Cause here in the Pacific Northwest uh, to chat about those events. And it's not going to end there. Next week, we're... Diving back into WrestleMania week for a little bit. We're stretching it out here. So, next Thursday, you're going to have shows talking about GCW for the culture, Alley Cats, real hot girl shit, and we also return to our regular interviews uh, with independent pro wrestler Leo London coming on the show. So,. You know, there's hours of content between this Thursday and next Thursday. Um, it's gonna be a blast, and there's uh, so much for all of you, lovelies, to to check out uh, coming out of WrestleMania week. As we, you know, I I I, part of me wants to say as we slow down, but does pro wrestling really ever slow down? You know, it. <clears throat> I guess in some ways it does, but it never really stops. And I don't know. That can be a give and take. Regardless, please. Give a listen and maybe develop some takeaways from uh, my conversation with Patches Chance all about WrestleMania 37, night number two. I apologize for the puns. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the ring. And Mania Week rolls on here on the show. We are talking about WrestleMania night number two right now. Uh, with my guest uh, who returns to the show uh, for I lost count of how many times he has come here but uh, I had to have him back to talk about uh, at least one half of Wrestlemania this year and it it's kind of a bummer that it turned out to be this half in a way but it's okay you can't have a hundred percent good things I guess (laughs) Uh, but uh, returning to the show from Daily DDT and Real Sport, Patches Chance, welcome back to LGBT in the Ring.
1: Thank you for having me back.
0: No, it's it's a pleasure. I, I enjoy having you on the show and talking about some uh, some wrestling. And we have plenty of it to talk about here because uh, night number two of WrestleMania is in the books, obviously. And um, I don't know, it's, it was kind of the cap to a week we used to say WrestleMania weekend. It's WrestleMania week.
1: Now let's, let's be it's, real. It's almost week and a half at this point.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you count like Tuesday, well, I guess impact wasn't on Tuesday this week. This is their first time on Thursday. So it doesn't necessarily count there. So, but we had the hall of fame on Tuesday and that was its own kerfuffle. Shout out Ethel Johnson. Um, yeah. So yeah. Full of the issue there. God, Jesus Christ. Anyway. Um, We'll get to WrestleMania night two here in just a second, but you know, one thing I've been doing with everyone I'm having on this week to talk about the various events that have happened um, over the past few days, I've been asking them about like what stood out to you outside of WrestleMania or outside of the event that we're talking about uh, at any given time. So for you, Patches, what stood out to you or any matches or shows in particular that stood out to you from the weekend or the week that was?
1: So I'm still working my way through all of the amazing uh, GCW and IWTV work from the week leading up to WrestleMania. But some of the stuff that's already stuck out for me uh, from what I've already seen, um, Alley Cat's Real Hot Girl Shit is a great show. It's a lot of fun. Um, The Willow Nightingale versus Brooke Valentine match had a really hot open and leaned into the story really well. Dark Sheik versus Hollow Dead was great. Edith Surreal versus Lady Frost was great. Um, pretty much the whole card was great top to bottom, but those are the things that really stuck to me. And then, uh, I'm still working my way through all of big gay brunch, but everything I've seen from AJ Gray and Billy Dixon and dark Sheik and AC Mac is just off the charts. Oh, yes. And, and, uh, I did go through some of Josh Barnett's blood sport. Uh, Alison K versus Masha Slamovich is definitely great. And Barnett and Moxley, um, You know, it's something that clearly Moxley was completely invested in. And it felt different than a lot of that show, which I think made it stand out a lot. Um, And then from our spring break, GCW's our spring break, uh, Leo Rush versus Jordan Oliver and Masada versus Atticus Cougar, both absolutely fantastic. And in its own hilarious, silly way, Gregory Iron versus Effie with Virgil. Um, Therefore, Gregory (laughs) Iron was was a a fun thing that people need to watch uh
0: there's just something about virgil in a wrestling is gay shirt that just uh puts a on top
1: of the weekend (laughs) it's just great it's just that's that this is wrestling yes
0: oh god so much about this week is is spoken to that to that
1: motto right there yeah it's so good well and oh sorry i have to and just There's so much I still haven't worked my way through. I know a lot of the great towns from Texas got to have some great stuff. I know IWTV reunion was fantastic, and I've seen a lot of good clips from that. And For the Culture was obviously another slam dunk for them. And so, you know, I think I'm still working my way through it, and I think there's plenty of time. None of these matches are going to stop being good. So if people are worried they've run out of time to catch it, don't. Go to Fight TV, find the match, enjoy it, because it's going to stick even if you're a week late.
0: Exactly. Like it, that, that stuff is going to live there for as long as those sites are up and they're not going away anytime soon. So definitely yeah. IWTV, Fight TV, you know, even some of the stuff that was on title match, like was really good too. Like I saw the yeah. Mr. Mr. Grimm and Timmy Lee Retton was like a, a standout from those shows on, on title match. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, uh, now that we've kind of uh, gotten some thoughts on the the week that was, let's talk about the final event. Of the week, WrestleMania night number two, um, coming off of night number one and just all of the emotion that honestly like can be quantified by the main event from night one, but it really it was throughout the entire show. Like you know, Lashley winning in the opener, the Cesaro's moment there, like so much about um, night one really left an impact. And I, Mm -hmm. for me personally, I felt like night two
1: fell short of that mark. The description I gave to a friend of mine who was kind of, they they hadn't watched it yet and was kind of just looking on thoughts is that night one had the highest highs, but I honestly felt night two was a little more consistent across the board. I Mm -hmm. felt like night one had some more kind of, you know, things that didn't quite hit uh such as like braun Strowman and shane and just periods that didn't quite feel like they were as good as they could have been and with the exception of the opener which we'll get to in a minute uh most of night two i thought wasn't terrible some of it wasn't quite as good as it could have been some of it could have been better but overall night two was a lot of good stuff um but it's just impossible to follow sasha and bianca it's it doesn't matter how good you are that's in my easily in my top five WrestleMania main events of all time, if not number one, um, just absolutely amazing. Uh, hours after the show, I was making my roommate, who is not a wrestling fan, sit down and watch it because it was just too good. No, it,
0: it's one of those matches that like makes you want to sit people down that are not into wrestling to watch just because of the the monumental like moment that it was. And and I'm with you, like it's it's shot. To top five mania main main events for me as well, Um, and I also I think one thing that you said about night two there kind of speaks as like the overarching theme of the night in that there was good stuff but it could have been better. um, And it and for me a lot of that felt because like a lot of the stuff felt rushed in a way. It felt like they were like moving from moment to moment to moment. Way didn't really give much of a chance for things to breathe as much as night one. Which is ironic considering that you had the rain delay on night one and no rain delay on night two.
1: Yeah, I do think there was a worry about a rain delay on night two um, that kind of kind of bled into the fear that things were going to get delayed again. But it, uh, I think there was also just a little bit of exhaustion from night one. Um, I do think that the two night format is not a bad thing. I think this show would have felt, I, I think if you had paced it, First of all, Sasha and Bianca sadly probably would not have had the monumental main event that they had if this were a one-night show because they would have put Roman in the main over them. Um, I don't agree with that, but I understand that's the call they probably would have made. But the other advantage of a two-night event is that
0: the exhaustion
1: of watching night one and then giving it a day and then watching night two and hoping it lives up to night one is better than watching all of it straight through. Because... We've done seven-hour WrestleManias before. They're extremely exhausting.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with you completely on that bit. Like, I think splitting it up over two nights it gives you more room to breathe with a lot of stuff. You know, or it, theoretically, it does, and mm-hmm. and you don't get moments like Bianca and Sasha without those sort of things based on the WWE mentality when it comes to to booking. So yeah, yeah, like I think I think that the two-night structure should stay we'll see what happens i know they released a, a press release um shortly after the event where they put a single date for next year's wrestlemania in dallas so i don't know if they're going to stick to that or wow. if they'll maybe revert back to the two-day format but um here's crossing all the fingers and toes that i can that they will see the light of what the yeah Israelites gave them
1: i think it'll i think that may be tentative um just based on the fact that Scheduling stuff this far in advance is not exactly an exact science in uh, when we're still in a global pandemic. Um, But, you know, overall, I'm excited that WrestleMania is coming back to Dallas selfishly because it's not that far from me. (laughs) Um, And I've been trying to go to one for several years. And this might be the chance I time I finally make it happen, especially because fortunately, I just got fully vaccinated. So dope. Congrats. Thank you. So by then hopefully we will be a little more leveled out, but either way I'll be vaccinated. And so I'm definitely hoping to make it to that show live just to check the WrestleMania bucket list off. Like any gray wrestling fan would want to. Of
0: course. I mean, it's, it's definitely something to experience at least once. So I I did that 10 years ago at WrestleMania 27 in Atlanta and (laughs) I made a choice. I definitely made a choice anyway.
1: (laughs) I mean, I mean, I got to see a Royal Rumble, and it was fantastic. Aside from the fact that it was the one that Randy Orton won in 2017. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was a rough night. <laughs> oh Lord! Well, at least you got hey, look, you got the
0: rough one out of the way. Hopefully, I think everybody yeah. has one rough one.
1: So. Yeah, um, I will say Takeover San Antonio, and uh, I got to see Takeover War Games live. So oh. even though uh, the original Takeover War Games in Houston, even though. Uh, that Royal Rumble experience didn't quite hit like I wanted, nor did a Survivor Series, the year of the original Takeover War Games. I've still had some good experiences, so I can't complain too much.
0: Exactly, exactly. Like there's the the good comes with the bad. It's it's pro wrestling. That's just what it is in many yep. ways. So, uh, well, with that being said, let's hop into the show. Um, we obviously we'll we'll skip the terrible jack sparrow opener that they use for the fourth time in two y- in a year for that bullshit i just uh, i don't know um before we get to the opening match though i do want to get your thoughts on the the hosting situation here because obviously hulk hogan titus o'neill being the host um it seemed like night two the boos were louder for Hulk Hogan and I think it might be I don't know if they just WWE didn't have their fingers on the the crowd sweetening button as quickly or as loudly, but I don't know what, what was your takeaway from the the hosting overall?
1: Um, yeah, I do think the boos being louder may have just been WWE wasn't being quite as diligent about trying to silence the boos um, or it may have just been the way the crowds fell, uh, Especially with, you know, night one, there were definitely boos for Hogan on night one, but I think the crowd was generally more exhausted on night one, just because of the rain delay and all the issues getting into the arena and so that may have had an effect as well. Um, overall, uh, Hogan being there is bad. Hogan shouldn't have been there and Titus O'Neil did his best with a terrible situation. Uh, also, for the record, they should rename the Warrior Award, the Titus O'Neill Award, because he's a thousand times the man that Ultimate Warrior ever was.
0: Completely agree on that. I, every time I saw that trophy or them talking about like this award embodying the spirit of this man who was a yes. fucking terrible person. En-
1: embody the spirit of the homophobe and bigot who we decided we liked a day before he died.
0: Yeah. God damn it oh we're kicking off with a bang here all right
1: <laughs> it's a great start yep it's, a and great about, show.
0: it's about to get more fun because our opening match randy orton versus the fiend
1: that's right oh. turn of in-ring action for the fiend and uh he did emerge from a box-like structure
0: oh my god
1: <laughs> oh it certainly was a box-like structure <laughs> Almost a box, yeah. but, you know, box-like structure is probably accurate as well, technically. Maybe the crank threw him off. Maybe I <laughs> so. I, I guess it's not technically a box if there's a crank attached, though it it may or may not have been based on a jack-in-the-box, which, oh. uh, you know, I guess a jack-in-the-box is now only a box-like structure and not technically a box.
0: Oh, God. I, the WWE vernacular is... So odd to me anyway. So, yes, uh, Bray Wyatt, uh, the fiend returns to in ring action, um, magically transitions back into a, a new fiend form from the uh, the burned fiend that we've been knowing and loving over the past couple of months, um, and returns to face Randy Orton in what felt like the blow off to this months long feud that's been going on, this very, very strange affair.
1: We all say, hopefully. Um, A lot of people have a lot of criticism for The Fiend and the storyline with Alexa Bliss and kind of all the build this has gotten. Um, I think, you know, it's WWE, so they obviously still aren't delivering a lot of things as good as they could. But the thing that has made me enjoy this rivalry leading up, even despite WWE's kind of storyline failures along the way, Is Alexa Bliss and Randy Orton are turning or doing their best to turn chicken shit into chicken salad every single week? They are delivering in every way they can, despite the kind of horrendous writing they're being given. And in general, I don't mind crazy magic and wrestling. Wrestling's absurd, and that's fine.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. Like, I have no issue with the supernatural stuff being there. Like, I enjoyed honestly. I enjoy the fiend for the most part. Um, my only yeah, real criticisms of this whole like thing is like the the weird sexualization of Alexa, in a way like the, the the childlike sort of thing going on there. Um, and then the match itself, like the match, like if if this all had kind of blossomed into a match that was actually like fun to watch, I think it we wouldn't have been hearing as much criticism obviously there are plenty of like wrestling purists out there they're like why the fuck are people getting set on fire and why like why is you know alexa turning into sister abigail and having like the black goo running down her face yeah
1: there was there was going to be some criticism no matter what but the match could have delivered better um i do have to say that i do believe this was changed last minute um from i believe it was fightful select has reported it that the plan going in was for The Fiend to win. Hmm. Um, and that was apparently changed uh, very last minute by Vince, just to have a shock finish. It's... And and that is kind of sums up everything that's wrong with this because, you know, Randy Orton and The Fiend both did their best with this moment. They both, you know, the entrance for The Fiend as absurd as it was worked. Um, I didn't mind him turning back into a cleaner version of himself. He's supernatural to begin with, so him kind of returning in a burned carcass to make an impact, and then changing back into the you know purified version of himself. So say so to be um, for the match itself, it's not really an issue to me. Uh, I did like Randy Orton's entrance. It's simple. He got a big pop. Um, Florida loves Randy Orton. That's not a new thing. And you know, I think they did good to start, and then suddenly it was over. Yeah, and
0: like the match was only like what, six minutes, but it it felt yeah,
1: like, it's like five fifty.
0: Yeah, and like even then, like it still felt like it dragged. Like it felt longer. Yeah. Um, and it's just it's just frustrating because like like you said, like Alexa and Randy, and to an extent Bray as well, have put in so much work to take this storyline and make it into something that remains interesting to at least a portion of the audience and delivering
1: delivering so well that people are creating manufactured lore that it's not really brain it's actually (laughs) Bo Dallas
0: damn it I love I love wrestling fans so much (laughs) sometimes but yeah like but then to have that lead up to to this match just it completely pulled all of the the rug out from under this and honestly it's
1: just typical of how they book the fiend in in general yeah it it was just the fiend is you know probably aside from Heel roman at this point the hottest pure character they've had in the last two or three years and yet somehow they've given him maybe the worst booking in the entire company and it's almost impressive how they keep screwing it up because it's just bad. Um, I, I wanted to enjoy this. I, I was pretty much prepared for this to be nonsense or chaotic, but just sudden distraction, RKO finish. Like, especially after the way they've booked the fiend up to this, where he takes you know seventeen finishers and still gets up. But here, all it took was one distraction and an RKO. Even though I'm fairly certain he's kicked out of them in Randy matches before.
0: Yeah, like it, it made no sense,
1: yeah. Um, and so, yeah, unfortunately, the night off to not a great start,
0: no, um, through,
1: through no fault of any of the talent involved,
0: yeah, yeah. Although it did pick up a little bit with the second match, though.
1: Um, it, we it had, did,
0: yeah, if the women's tag team championship on the line with uh Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Uh, taking on the winners of tag team turmoil from one night before Natalia and Tamina.
1: So going in, I was excited to see Natalia and Tamina. Um, I do have to say they were not my picks for the tag team turmoil. Uh, I was kind of hoping for a, who cares if there's logic behind it, uh, Billy Kay and Peyton Royce reunion Mm. um, to just steal the turmoil and take the title win. But that's not what happened. We did instead get what I thought was a fun tag team more the night before, uh, which unfortunately has led to Mandy's slip up becoming a storyline because Raw loves to ruin things. Um, but, you know, Natalia Tamina. Tamina is, I think, one of the most underrated people in the entire company. And she's been given some of the worst booking of any of the women, which is impressive because they give bad booking to a lot of the women. But Tamina has been horrendous for going on like a decade now she she's never been given a fair shot she's never really been given a shake and she's never really been appreciated for the work she does you know she's not the best wrestler on this roster but she's solid and she never gets her shot and so I was really hoping this would end up with Tamina finally getting a title win even if it's the tag titles um the outcome wasn't what I was hoping for but Shayna Baszler and Natalia carried this match to something really special.
0: Oh, for sure. Like, they, they, these, they, those two work so well together. And I know, like, there was the, the errant knee that, you know, gave Natalia the lip injury, but, like, even, yeah, even but that beyond happens. that, yeah, exactly. It happens. It's wrestling. But, like, those two working together were, was solid. And it was a perfect counterbalance to when Tamina and Naya were going up against one another, just laying in headbutts, which Jesus Christ, can we stop with unprotected headbutts, please? Yeah.
1: Um, but, uh- just like K- just trading, Kats- Katsuyori Shibata would like to ask oh, y'all to fucking stop.
0: God, yes, please. But um, but yeah, like just them like trading like haymakers back and forth, and just like having a like a little mini hoss fight in between like the the technical prowess of Natalia and Shayna. Like it gave a bunch of different flavors to it. I really enjoyed that the crowd got behind Tamina in the way that they did. I know, yeah. like, I've heard, like, I was, you know, on other podcasts, I've heard, like, reports where, like, Natalia was leading the Tamina chance, but even then, like, it still felt organic watching the show. It felt organic to, to feel that momentum come behind her, and it would have been a perfect moment
1: for, for well, Natalya and, and
0: Tamina to win the titles.
1: Even if that's the case, that's not exactly a new thing in wrestling. I mean, it, you watch any classic tag team match, they're stomping to try and get the crowd into it. That's, that's just them leading crowd involvement. I don't see any problem with that, and yeah, it, it felt like the crowd was really getting behind it. Um, I'm not super sad that Jackson Baszler won because I like Jackson Baszler. I think they've been a surprisingly good team for as thrown together as they were, um, which is kind of a theme in WWE because they don't really care about tag team wrestling. They just toss people together and let it happen. And sometimes those teams really deliver despite the lack of boost or story they've been given. Um, I felt like this was Tamina's night, but at the same time, it was a great match in a Kind of a palate cleanser for what Orton and the Fiend turned out to be.
0: Yeah, it definitely kind of brought some energy back into the crowd coming off of that that match um, before it. Also, just want to point out Shayna Baszler, only out LGBTQ uh, member of the WWE roster on either night of WrestleMania. So we got our yeah. we got our, our queer win there too. So
1: hey, we, we take what we can get. Um, I, <laughs> exactly. I, I would have liked to see more Sonya Deville on the show, um, but you know, like I said, we take what we can get. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Well, that leads us into
0: uh, our next matchup, which was uh, the rematch that will happen until the end of time, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. Uh, But this time we had to throw the first of two fuckheads onto this card uh, in Logan Paul.
1: Yeah. So Logan Paul was indeed present, um, which is its own issue. Uh, But even Logan Paul can't, can't pull this down for me. Um, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are two of the best in this industry, bar none um, at every single facet of what they do from storytelling to in-ring psychology, to on the mic, to in the ring, just pure moves. Everything they do is, is just fantastic. And the, way that this match delivered reminded me specifically of the cruiserweight classic the cruiserweight classic when johnny gargano fought Tommaso champa and had what many were calling a match of the year contender that match was only 10 minutes long it felt like a perfect 15 and that's how this match felt this match was just over nine minutes long and it felt like a perfect 15 they managed to cram in a lot of really good stuff without it feeling rushed in a way that only someone of their skill level can manage.
0: Yeah. And not only that, like a lot of what they packed in were, were a lot of teases to their, you know, their past relationship. Mm -hmm. A lot of callbacks. Yeah. Like so much so that I was like halfway expecting a, a brain buster. Like, a, and like yeah. the, the true brain buster at some point. But I'm like, they're never going to break that out on WWE television. But yeah, I was way.
1: kind of hoping for like a package pile driver off the pirate ship. But, you know, you can't get everything you want. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> 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 he oh. said he was going to jump off the pirate ship. I had high hopes. Hey, you
0: know what? If anybody's going to do it, Kevin Owens is the person to do it. So yeah,
1: That's basically it. No one else will pull that off. But, you know, with Kevin, it's, there's a chance. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, like I'm I'm with
0: you. Like yes, Logan Paul was there. I was annoyed with how many times they kept cutting to him during the match, but
1: overall like it was very I, easy to tune him out and just enjoy Yeah, and I I will on. say though Logan Paul is a trash human being. Um Logan Paul did have decent reactions during the match. He was playing the role he was handed fine. Um and didn't kind of actively become detrimental throughout the match, which was nice. Uh, and then, you know, you had to do the stunner spot after, and I'm fine with Kevin Owens taking that role moving forward where he just gets to stun random celebrities because why not?
0: I'm into it. I'm into it wholeheartedly. (laughs) Like, let me, I just want to like watch him stunning Logan Paul on loop for about two minutes and I'll, and I'll be good. It's
1: a good way to start the morning.
0: Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and that of course leads us into, uh, our fuckhead number two um with sheamus and matt riddle for the united states championship obviously as we do on this show um uh before we talk about this match i just do want to note there are credible accusations of uh, abuse and sexual assault against matt riddle at the moment um so yeah just always like to put that out there whenever we are talking about anybody involved with such things um so give me your your thoughts on on this one like what were you
1: was this did this deliver on expectations at all um this exceeded my expectations because my expectations were very very low because I do not like Matt Riddle for the exact reasons that you brought up a few moments ago um and I don't really care to watch anything that he's involved in however uh getting to see Seamus wail on him was kind of nice uh he did the 10 beats of the Bowery or Bowery or however he phrases it whatever irish term he chose for that finish for that signature um he was hitting him maybe harder than i've seen him ever hit anybody he was just caving his chest in which was nice uh and then you know solid match um good 10 and change and you know they both played their roles fine and then he kicked his teeth in yep
0: (laughs) oh god it was like an I love that they ended with, with an anti air like that. And, and just Seamus just laying it in. And I love that Seamus has been just promoting that clip as much as he has in the post. Yeah. It's just,
1: it's just great. Yeah. It was, it was the only way to make that tolerable. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's barely tolerable because it's still riddled, but I mean, if I have to watch um, a very likely sexual predator on TV, at least I should watch him get legitimately hurt.
0: Yes. I I'm with you on that. I will, I will say there was one good thing that is tangentially related to riddle out of the show. The fact that RVD came on and promoted his rolling papers on WrestleMania.
1: Yes. That was uh, fantastic. Just That's, I, I that love was it so much. That was all RVD. And, and as far as I'm concerned, nobody else was in that segment. Um, that was great. It was just RVD and great Khali talking to each other and pretending there was someone else there. And it was, it was a great moment. Yep. Um, I, I do have to also point out that there was a moment that I do remember from the match where Sheamus went to do white noise off the top mm. and almost botched it. Um, I think he was not in the position that he needed to be when they set up for the move. Both of his feet, he was on the turnbuckle, standing on the second, but both of his legs were outside of the ropes. And he stepped up and then kind of lost his footing as he stepped up. But I mean, he fell, managed to land catch his footing all while holding riddle in white noise (laughs) and keep his balance and then waited a second and kind of ran and did a big jump into the move to make up for it. And it's just really a sign of, even, you know, when things kind of went awry and they kind of had a slip up Seamus, very good, very powerful and able to save the moment.
0: No, it was a veteran move. Like because that very much could have been something that was much more noticeable yeah. And and uh, the coming out of that, but the fact that he was able to, to correct in the way that he did, as impressive as it was, and then hit white noise and then cover up, even with the knee drop, the knee drop afterwards, yeah. like to kind of keep things moving in the right direction. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's just better. It savvy. almost, it,
1: it almost felt like a planned mistake. Yeah. Like it felt like a natural moment. Like in the heat of battle, he slipped up, but he knew what he did, so he covered up and you know kept hitting big moves. To make sure that the moment worked.
0: No, yeah. So Seamus comes out of this new United States champion. I think it's a just reward for yeah. the work that he's been doing since the uh, the McIntyre feud. Yeah, bar um, supremacy. Yes, definitely. <laughs> You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at SarahIntheSafeWord.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRINGPOD or visit tinyurl.com IWTVLGBT and get a five-day free trial and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRINGPOD or go to tinyurl.com IWTVLGBT. Get five days free. Check out that service. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at LGBT Ringpod. You can follow me on Twitter at WonderboyOTM. And if you're into video games, definitely check out my video game news show Uh, that brings us to the nigerian drum fight which which is a thing that happened as well it it definitely is a thing that happened biggie defending the intercontinental championship against apollo cruz nigerian royalty apollo cruz
1: yes so obviously the elephant in the room this is a terrible match type and a terribly racially insensitive match type that Vince probably came up with with maybe like no warning and reportedly no one even knew what the match was when they recorded the SmackDown before WrestleMania. Like no one had explained what a Nigerian drum fight was to even Cruz or Big E. Despite that, Apollo Cruz and Big E are very good at what they do and they beat the shit out of each other.
0: Oh, yes, they did.
1: Just right from the open, they were throwing kendo stick shots and not even dodging. Just yeah just start swinging no they
0: were just eating them left and right this was a sprint this was a hardcore sprint in the best yeah. way and really saved what could have been something that would could have easily fallen flat on its face you know the minute yeah. you see all those drums out there that are painted green to be nigerian and yeah, that then-
1: really obviously like badly painted drums they bought at the store two hours earlier
0: yeah, and I say Nigerian with the heaviest of air quotes that I can possibly throw out there. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that there was a gong for some reason. Which is,
1: I guess, a Nigerian instrument now. Oh, I
0: Who the fuck knows? In in I WWE
1: swear. canon, whatever that's supposed to be. Yeah, um, <sighs> But yeah, uh, it, the speed and kind of sprint of this match, um, even though it was hardcore and this example isn't, reminded me a little of uh, Finn Balor, um as the demon a couple years ago at WrestleMania against I think it was Lashley. Uh I want to say it was 34, 35. Um, that mm. it was a short match near the end of the show, and they did surprisingly well considering what they were given. Mm. I think it was 35. Yeah, because 34 uh, was the Intercontinental three-way. Yeah, it was it was Demon Finn versus Lashley. And they got four minutes. Yeah, semi main, and they were following Corbin defeating Angle, and they God. somehow made it, and yeah, and they somehow made four minutes with Leo Rush at ringside into a golden palate cleanser to prep us for the women's main. <laughs> you
0: know what? That that's an art form, honestly, and yeah, and like it's nothing to to wag a finger at.
1: Yeah, it takes skill to pull that off. Um, but yeah, this was another moment where, you know, they were not given the greatest of circumstances, but Apollo Crews and Biggie E delivered. Um, I know a lot of people didn't care for it. I was fine with the Doppicato interference or uh, Commander Aziz is he's apparently allegedly going to be called because WWE's copyrighted that name or trademarked that name recently. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's speculation that that's going to be that character's name, but it's very clearly Doppicato um from raw underground or uh babatunde from nxt um yeah i mean apollo cruz is a heel character him bringing in a heel bodyguard is not an issue to me um and i thought that it was a fine way for him to win a no dq match in that moment to win the title so overall they delivered with the circumstances they were given
0: no, I, I'm with you on that. Like, I didn't mind the the Dabakato interference either. Like, it made sense if you're going to, like, keep pushing Apollo as a heel, especially, like, with the, the, the character that is there, like, you would expect mm-hmm. uh, to build up sort of a council around him. So yeah. like it makes total sense that you would be pushing that way if you're going to continue with with the way that they've been characterizing Cruz on the show. I am yeah. I'm super happy that they finally are feel like they they found something to kind of push Apollo with because he's so good in the ring. Oh um, yeah, and like I though my only problem with the the Nigerian um, sort of character that they put on him is that. It feels like the meaning of it and why the switch happened has been lost in translation since the beginning of the of the switch. Because mm-hmm. like you had the promo at the very beginning talking about like, you know, I was trying I was being this other person because it's what I thought other people wanted or or what other people told me to do, but now this is the real me. Like this I'm a Nigerian yeah. prince. But like since then, that's kind of been like lost in the ether in a lot of ways and it's just Yeah, been, which
1: is not an uncommon thing for WWE to yeah. uh lose their storyline plot halfway through.
0: Yeah, it's just extremely frustrating cuz I feel like that that would make so much more sense whenever you were trying to build up like different feuds or interactions with that character with other people. It just it gives you uh, some stuff to, to chew on
1: there. Yeah. So, but, you know, even with its flaws, I'm happy for Apollo Crews and I'm happy to see him kind of getting his moment finally. Um, yeah. Even if it's under these circumstances.
0: Same here. Same here. And also the same should be said about Big E. Like this was an outstanding WrestleMania oh, yeah. performance for Big E too. And I hope like I and a
1: great entrance.
0: Yes. Oh my god, Wale, please. Yes. We had to talk about Wale for a second. That was one of the the better WrestleMania like live performance entrances that
1: I've seen in a while. Yeah, that was that was a fantastic entrance to live performance. And um that will segue nicely into a moment where I was screaming for them to hire someone who knows how to mix live music. Oh, you were doing that too, huh? <laughs> because, because the band that played out Rhea Ripley did not deserve to be crucified by the audio system the way they were. No, um, they were fine. They were mixed horrendously and it sounded really, really bad.
0: No, it was terrible like the the vocals were way too high and because of that you had just basically all you could hear was just the the sh- like the screaming and
1: it just it drowned out yeah. everything and it just and, and someone else pointed out like it, just use backing tracks like it, it's not a big deal yeah like I mean, it's, it's fine before. yeah um but yeah it, you know for the love of god hire someone who knows how to mix live music in a stadium Because they're out there, and I guarantee you WWE can afford to pay them, just like they can afford to buy Jim Johnston back, but, you know, they continue to do shitty music left and right, so I guess that's what we're going to keep doing.
0: (sighs) I certainly hope something changes, but you know what that sort of hopeful thought leads to with WWE, so. Mm -hmm. But yes, that does lead us into Rhea Ripley challenging Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship here. I... I liked this match. It was it was solid. Um and you know, I think that you know it, it felt a little rushed here and there like many other things on this show, but mm-hmm. overall, like it delivered um a star making performance for Rhea. Um it's it sucks that I had to come at the expense of Asuka again, who continually yeah. got drafted on WrestleMania. But
1: but I, I enjoyed I enjoyed the match overall. Yeah, no, this was a great match. The, Rhea and Oscar are both fantastic. And, you know, despite the fact that there was really no storyline here, um, the build was basically non existent. Uh, they did great, they, they delivered a great match. Um, I think, unfortunately, it's naturally going to get compared to Bianca and Sasha, and that's not a comparison that anyone deserves to have to face. Um, but Rhea and Oscar were great in their own right. Um, and yeah, it was a good crowning moment for Rhea. Um, I wish this crowning moment had happened last year. Yes. And Asuka could have had her own moment this year, but that's apparently not what we got. Um, but yeah, good moment for Rhea. And as much as I would have loved to see Asuka get her moment, um, Asuka's title reign has been booked absolutely horrendously and maybe a reset will do some good.
0: Yeah, one can hope, one can hope. Um, yeah, so the one thing that that really stood out to me um, around both women's matches on, on these shows, women's title matches on these shows, um, was the fact that in the video packages leading into them, you know, there's been a lot of complaints about the build for both Bianca Sasha and for Asuka Ria and how, you know, vapid or non-existent or, like, confusing that it, that it has been but yeah. both video packages completely threw all of that out the window and tried to refocus on just like putting two people together to fight in a way which made me really question like why is anybody watching the weekly tv at this point if they, if you're just gonna yeah. throw all of that out the window in the video package ahead of the match like why should anybody care about tuning in on your weekly television shows
1: yeah these video packages did all the work that the tv didn't do um they they were given nothing and they went all right well we got to make it interesting um and we've got to make it interesting in a way that someone who hasn't watched tv because there's going to be people watching wrestlemania who haven't watched the weekly tv show that they can understand the story and get invested and they the people making the video package just clearly decided that the story that was presented in the weeks leading up was not good enough and they made something better and i can't fault them for that
0: no i can't either i mean it 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 was, it's much better than trying to recap the actual build that that both of those yeah. matches had. So, or lack and, thereof. Exactly. So, in that instance, good on you. I'm thank you that I don't have to relive some yeah. of that stuff for the past um, couple of months.
1: Especially with Bianca and Sasha, which had a really not great, um, forced kind of random tag storyline built into things. And by comparison, you know, when I was able to show my roommate, the video package perfectly explained the story it was everything you needed yep it's not that hard and <laughs> it's not wrestling's <laughs> actually not that complicated oh. contrary to the way wwe likes to make things
0: god it gets so convoluted when you just don't want to let something just sit there yeah and grow
1: and, and and a good example of this and this is uh, not something i know for sure but something i've seen talked about as a potential rumor that so The Bella Twins-Bailey moment. Mm. yes. So, first of all, props to the Bellas. They get their flowers. That's fantastic. They earned that. They get a lot of flack for the era that they were in that has nothing to do with any of the work that they put in. They were existing in the system as best they could, and they tried to work within that system at all times. And they've done great despite that. Um, Bailey absolutely fantastic should have been on this card was fortunately on both shows. And um, I think it was Spade Scott suggested that there needs to be night three and it needs to be all Bailey. And I'm completely on board with that.
0: Same here. A (laughs) hundred percent.
1: Like I would tune into that wholeheartedly. Now the, uh, the rumor that I've heard is that Becky was supposed to be in that moment, Mm. that it was actually Becky Lynch was going to come out and, be the one who tossed Bailey down the ramp. And the rumor is that that was the plan. And then Vince thought that people knew Becky was coming. So he took it away. See,
0: like I had heard the rumors that Becky was planned for that spot as well. I did not know that the reason, any of the like speculation about the reasoning behind why that didn't happen, because obviously like
1: Becky had been out there teasing it, you know? Right. And it 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 was not that, hidden i mean becky was throwing it on twitter and stuff it was under it was not surprising it would not have been surprising it would have still been exciting it would have still been a great moment but there was an expectation and i I can't remember who pointed it out but someone pointed out on twitter that just because something is expected doesn't mean it doesn't deliver exactly um one of the most expected returns in wwe history was brock Everyone knew that was happening. Everyone knew he was coming back in 2012 and he was eventually gonna leave UFC and come back. And there was a lot of speculation that it was happening beforehand. It was also one of the loudest pops in raw history because the excitement added to it. And so if you have Becky Lynch teasing it and the crowd knows it's coming and her music hits, that arena explodes.
0: Yeah, plus you compound that with the fact that it's the first time any of these people have been to a WWE show in over yeah. a year.
1: And also, um, I'm going to call back to earlier. In, in that moment, if her music hit, the crowd would sing the entire th- the entire song. Just oh. like, even though Sami Zayn is a heel, I don't care, he's not a heel, he's Sami Zayn, the crowd sang his entire entrance. Because I don't care what WWE does, he's still Sami Zayn.
0: No, you're right. You're right. It's the main, re- I mean, there's a reason why people were so bummed whenever they switched uh, Shinsuke's music to throw yeah. off the cadence. And then, then when they switched it back, like, I think people were I, just ready for that.
1: Yeah, I do hope that once we get, um, you know, more frequent and hopefully safe live crowds, uh, that we will get to see some big moments for Shinsuke. Now that he has the good music back, um, also on the note of Shinsuke, I still miss his New Japan music. Oh, it's one of my favorite theme songs of all time. It's so good.
0: I agree with you there. I, it's it's a tough choice between between his WWE music and his New Japan music for me. Like I love them both so much.
1: They're and, they're like, both they great, and and his WWE music has a special spot for me because I got to see him uh, at. Take over San Antonio, come out to it. Mm. And so, you know, that was a great moment getting to see him live at that. But I do miss the New Japan music.
0: No, I'm with you there. No, um, real quick before we get to the main event, though, we talked about the crowd being there. Um, what were your um, feelings around? I noticed a lot of the crowd shots, obviously, people having their masks off, and WWE did not shy away from showing people with masks off. I know that you know, there've been fan reports about the protocols there and like they had all the the signage up about social distancing and about keeping masks on. Um, do you feel like WWE did? I obviously I'm not going to ask the question. WWE didn't do a good job of policing yeah, their crowd at all. Um, but did you, did you have any, any thoughts around
1: that at all? I I mean, basically that, um, that it was quite clear that they were not really trying to fix the issue. Um, it, it, they, they just decided they weren't worried about it. Um, And I can't say I'm honestly surprised the way Florida's handled this pandemic and the way WWE has, you know, not been the safest or the most accurate over time, even though they love to tout the Thunderdome is the way that they're being the safest that anyone is being, even though they keep having constant COVID outbreaks and, you know, talent having big happy new year's parties with multiple promotions involved and causing multi-industry breakouts, you know, all great stuff. Um, Yeah, there were lots of shots of people not wearing masks. I was disappointed, but not surprised. Um, I I think that, you know, I understand and I don't fault the people who did do things the right way who decided to go to this event, um, especially if they were vaccinated already. Um, You know, I think it's a calculated risk you have to take you know, it's a big opportunity if you're able to go. I know a lot of independent wrestlers that worked the GCW events and a lot of the indie shows that week posted um, shots from the crowd and I don't blame them for that either. They worked for that week and they got to have their moment to kind of enjoy things. A lot of them were way up in the rafters, which was probably the safest area um, compared to the floor, which seemed to be the most crammed and the most full of people not wearing masks.
0: Yeah, it really seemed like they they kind of really packed people in close to the ring. Um, yeah, they were I, I think that was
1: all. Yeah, I think that was all visual. Like that was that was all WWE wanted it to appear like there were a lot of people there, because they were I'm sure self conscious about the fact that they're running a WrestleMania in a stadium and they're not breaking an attendance record.
0: Yeah, they, that is something else to note. This is or, the first or WrestleMania sorry, breaking ahead.
1: an attendance record. <laughs>
0: yes, this is the first WrestleMania in a long time where they did not announce the attendance on the broadcast for that very yeah. reason. You know, they didn't have a big number to tout. So, and
1: even then, I think the number was bigger than anyone wants to think about, anyways. So, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I from what I've seen, um, they're kind of vaguely touting 25,000. Um, it sounds more like that was the max and they're just going to pretend it was 25,000. The actual number I think was closer to 10 to 15, Mm -hmm. which is still too many, but you know, for those who were there actually following protocol and actually trying to be safe, then it is what it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, let's get to the main event. Triple threat match for the universal championship, Roman reigns defending against the Royal rumble winner edge. And Daniel Bryan. Um, I, I really like this match a lot. Um, I, once again, I think the story that we've been talking about so much with um, a lot of these matches is that the build felt a little wonky at times. Um, obviously, I think like switching Edge to a more like sort of heel or possibly tweener. Role there, um, in heading into this match and seeing the response that he got from the fans, like uh, that immediately called out, I
1: think, the potential of a mistake there. But at the same time, I I don't don't necessarily think Edge going heel was bad. Um, I think Edge needed to get no pun intended that edge back. Um, he needed to tap into kind of the ultimate opportunist in the rated R superstar and the anger and the willingness to do anything because that's what people loved about edge you know we we all love and respect him and i mean i am one of the many people who watched his retirement and cried you know a decade ago when he had to be forced to retire and was shocked by it and followed the slow build to the eventual return and everything that happened since then and so you know i don't mind him being heel ish on the way into the event but there's no way they're booing him not 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 at the entrance, maybe during the match, but not even then, because they're going to boo Roman, and for once, that's the plan. (laughs) Yes,
0: they finally got what they wanted out of a a reaction to Roman Reigns in this match. Um, And Roman played the role perfectly, the same way he's been doing throughout the the whole Thunderdome pandemic era, yeah. however you want to describe it. Um, Daniel, Bryan was great, too. It was great to see, like, just like so many other people on this show, the emotion in his face, getting out there in front of the the fans again. Yeah. Um,
1: and like I, how that played into him. I do have to also point out, um, I loved this match. I am unsurprised, but still perennially disappointed by WWE because they never talked about the most important part of this match. Most important part of this match is this is three guys who had their careers taken from them for health reasons. Mm who had injury or illness taken away at a time that it didn't deserve to be taken away before they could go out on their own terms. And all three of them have beaten the odds in their own amazing ways and found their way back to a main event title match at WrestleMania. And especially Edge, who is doing it in delivering in some of the best work that he's ever done at 47. It's wild. It's and wild. and Daniel Bryan looking as good as the American Dragon ever has at 39, like it's just absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, no, they. I mean, that's an amazing point. I think I want to say I'd seen you point that out on Twitter before, but I had forgotten about it for for the second there. But yeah, you're right. Like that's a built-in sort of thing. Like even if they don't put that into the build, which obviously you put that into the build, it does build up the stakes a bit, but. Just knowing that you know behind the character to watch all three yeah. of these men in this in this match, like to know what they've been doing on it,
1: stage because it was it was part of the build about Edge. They they talked about you know the return of the Royal Rumble, um, the previous year, and then getting it yanked away from him again thanks to the entry um, in the greatest wrestling match ever, which was better than it really should have been. You know, props on them for turning the worst build and the worst idea into something that actually worked. Um, but you know, they talked about it there, but they just, they won't talk about the fact that Roman, you know, beat cancer again to come back twice. Um, and Dane O'Brien, you know, had all those neck and concussion injuries, which I'm sure they're hesitant to talk about for obvious reasons that they're afraid to get sued over. Yeah. Um, the, you know, but these are powerful stories of people who you know their career should have all been over i mean based on what's happened to them roman reigns edge and dana bryan theoretically should never have had a wrestlemania main event ever again like they potentially never could have wrestled again but you know through you know medical improvements and through the work that they've put in to get healthy and get better they've been able to make this happen
0: it's an amazing achievement and and this match lived up to I th- to I think that same idea of achievement. Like it was, yeah, knockdown, drag out, um, a lot of really interesting spots. You know, I love the the combo uh, arm submissions, arm and neck submissions on Roman, and then headbutting each other back and forth between Edge and, and Daniel Bryan. That spot was really yeah. Fun. The
1: the double crossface with the uh, the chair bar. Yes, um, was was a great visual. Um, I also love someone pointed out you can actually see Roman at one point kind of like tap edge on the thigh like okay this actually really hurts y'all need to stop Just <laughs> <laughs> that vague like hey hey this actually hurts <laughs> <laughs> This at that point like I guess I guess there's a safe word I don't know I, I think that like little taps and squeezes I think is how they communicate I don't know for sure because yeah. I'm not a wrestler but from those I've talked to and from things I've seen over the years that I know, you know, one of the most obvious ones that once you see it, you can't unsee it is when the referee checks on them, you can see the referee will put the referee's hand in their hand and wait for a squeeze. And if they don't feel a squeeze, something's entirely wrong, but it's just a real light moment. And it it looks fine because it's just the referees checking on them. Um, But yeah, I think that was, just a little signal of like trying to get them to move on with the spot because he was probably – it's probably not comfortable with those veneers to have a giant pipe stuck in your face.
0: Oh, no. Not at all. <laughs> I would say veneer or not. like Yeah. <laughs> it may have been twofold. He may have been in
1: pain, and he may have also been like, don't mess up my teeth, y'all. Oof. Oof.
0: Uh, and also, like, also kudos to Jey Uso. In this match too. Oh, yeah. Like, Jey served and, his role so
1: I, I loved that J Uso started interfering immediately. Yes. So there was there was no I'm just gonna stand around and wait for the moment. Nope, I'm gonna super super kick everyone as soon as the bell rings. <laughs> <laughs> it's Like, yeah, because they're heel. Why wouldn't he do that?
0: Exactly. It's their heels, it's no DQ, just throw it all out the window. Yeah, yeah why not? No. Nah. No. Nah. Obviously, but the the finish of the match, you know, Roman uh hitting a spear and a concerto on edge after Daniel Bryan had already suffered a concerto as well and pinning both men, um, to really yeah. solidify that, that, that belt's not going anywhere anytime soon.
1: No. Um, I, I've seen a lot of criticism of the Roman call. Um, I was completely fine with it. I, I think Roman is still delivering at the top of his career. And I think as much as I would have loved Brian to get another moment and as much as I would love edge to get another moment, one i don't think this is their last moment i think it's entirely possible that either of them can end up with the title reign sometime in the next year or two um whether it's from roman or someone else or in some other circumstance but also neither of them need this like by any stretch of the imagination dana bryan and and edge both have uh either already or soon to be hall of fame careers easily and so You know, I have no problem with Roman taking this moment, and I think it only further solidifies Roman as this kind of unstoppable monster at the top of SmackDown. And, you know, there's a reason he's delivering the best work on that brand for weeks. Um, I think only being occasionally surpassed by Sasha and now Bianca um, and, you know, the early Sasha and Bailey stuff and leading into their main event match um, at Hell in a Cell. Was that the main event? Did um, my brain just decide it should have been the main event? It should have been. Possible. You know what? Well, alternate history. It's the main event. Now. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, that was the main event. There you go. Um, but yeah, you know, there have been other highlights, but Roman has just been so consistent. Um, just so good.
0: No, I completely agree. Like this is, I think this is the right move. Honestly, like Roman. His his title run has been the breath of fresh air that Broman needed, and that honestly, a lot of WWE programming needed. He's been one of the better things on the show, like you said, along with a lot of the SmackDown women's title picture for a while now. Um, so, like, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Like, there's no reason yeah. to take that belt off of him. It's not the right time. Daniel Bryan and Edge will both have. Well, I'm sure both of them will definitely challenge for that title again.
1: Um, somewhere down the line and it yeah just, it potentially, makes for a better story potentially inside three weeks because that's how wwe works oh yeah we have um, wrestlemania backlash coming up right i was really excited at first because backlash belongs after wrestlemania like that's a that's backlash for a lot of a lot of years was my favorite one of my favorite pay-per-views because it really felt like wrestlemania fallout and then they named it wrestlemania backlash and i'm no longer excited this, WWE is the place where good things go to die. Yeah. Um, but, you know, despite all the flaws, you know, even in something like that, this was a great match. I enjoyed the finish, and I thought it was a great way to cap off a relatively solid night. Um, what all that turns into moving forward, who knows? Yeah. Um, I, you know, ideally, I think Roman continues to dominate until SummerSlam, and then Biggie beats him for the title. I I would I could
0: get behind that wholeheartedly. Like the, um, it's, it's the logical next step for Biggie to get into that title picture there.
1: Um, yeah, you know he lost the Intercontinental Title, but he did it because Apollo Crews cheated and used a hardcore match with the help. You know that loss doesn't hurt Biggie at all, and he's primed for that moment. And I think SummerSlam is perfect time to do it. It's entirely possible we also get something you know absolutely terrible like Goldberg. Um, Mm. it's about even odds because that's how wwe works
0: yep yeah oh i'm really hoping that we don't get roman goldberg again (laughs)
1: right i I, from i think goldberg has one more match on his contract this year and so unfortunately i'm kind of preparing myself for that possibility but you know maybe we get lucky and we get to see something instead like goldberg riddle and like goldberg just goes rogue and like you know breaks his face so, hey, that is a feud that needs blowing off. Honestly, if there were ever a time for Goldberg to botch a jackhammer, I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not going to feel bad. Like <laughs> Oh,
0: well, that was WrestleMania 37, night number 2. Um, I guess any any final thoughts, final takeaways from from the night?
1: Uh, Black Girl Magic. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All the That's, way. that's my, my thoughts on the whole weekend. Um, I, I enjoyed a lot of other stuff on both these shows, but man, go back and rewatch Sasha and Bianca again because they just, just perfect from start to finish. And shout out to uh, TJ Wilson, who apparently was the producer on that match and helped them put that together. Um, just showing once again how much difference he's made and how much of an impact he's made over the years, despite the fact that he's not able to compete at the level that I think he hoped to continue to.
0: Mm. No, I am right there with you. Like that's, that's a match that's going to be rewatched uh, many, many, many times Yeah, moving forward here. So, well, Patches, thank you for taking the time to chat a little bit about uh, night number two, WrestleMania 37, let everybody know where they can find you
1: online. Yeah. Thank you for having me back again. Um, Everybody can find me at Patches chance on Twitter and my website, patcheschance.com. You can find me writing with Daily DDT, uh, Real Sport covering US sports games, and newly with Heavy covering Star Wars. Awesome.
0: Thank you, Patches. Thank you. My thanks once again to Patches for coming on the show and helping cap off uh, both WrestleMania Week um, proper and our coverage of WrestleMania Week for this week uh, by talking about night number two of WrestleMania 37. Um you know, it was just an all a very interesting show. Um in bits and pieces there. Main event was outstanding. Um but yeah, it, it it's the culmination of a week celebrating professional wrestling in all of its different styles, all of its different shapes, all of its different um viewpoints in in many ways and you know it's a celebration that is worth having and with that being said i really hope everybody uh understands the, the safety coming out of this and i really hope that a lot of that people were not um are not coming out of this with um a lot of covid outbreaks i you know that's the one thing that always worries me um and the one thing that always sticks in my head whenever these shows are running is just you know even with protocols being in place is really the safety of the people that are going to these shows or choosing to go to these shows and people that are performing on these shows and um it's always one of those things you have to wrestle with internally whenever whenever watching these sort of things but um regardless a a week of stellar pro wrestling that we're not done covering obviously we have the other episodes that dropped earlier today uh, you know, talking all about the independent pro-wrestling from WrestleMania week with Max Zaleski from Without a Cause Pro Wrestling, as well as uh, the Big Gay Brunch, sitting down with Pollo Del Mar, the MC of the Big Gay Brunch, to talk about that event. Um, and then, of course, night number one of WrestleMania 37, we had Darnell Mitchell on to chat all about that. Come back next week. We're going to finish up our WrestleMania week coverage next Thursday uh, by talking about uh, GCW's For the Culture event organized by A.J. Gray for Talent of Color. And then we are going to be talking about Alley Cat's real hot girl shit, um, including the Gray Sweatpants Battle Royal. That is not going to escape our purview. I know we've touched on it a little bit in some of the shows that went out today, but there will be more said because there's plenty to say. And then, uh, of course, we also jump back into our interviews that we do here on the show by welcoming on independent pro wrestler Leo London to chat all about um, his experiences in, in pro wrestling as well. So, yeah, it's uh, this is going to close it out for the day, but definitely go back and check out the other episodes that launched today. Come back next Thursday for the rest of our WrestleMania week coverage and the interview with Leo London um, and... Just kind of decompress. I think that's the one thing that everybody, including myself, kind of needs to do coming out of this weekend, is um, just decompress. Understand that the love of pro wrestling still will be there, but just take a moment to just kind of sit back and both take in what you watched and also take a moment for yourself. Just, Just chill. And until next time, y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, and watch out for box-like structures. Everybody's ready to
1: die. Everybody ready to die They didn't see it coming from the dive in the bridge She made a deal with the demon curl of love and fit With the moody's eye and the devil is job Dig is the formula six six six